one to pick up in the book of Philippians. I know Pastor started it. He only was able to get through the first five verses. So hopefully we'll finish tonight. But if not, we're not in that big of a hurry that we want to rush through the word. So let's start with the word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. For your word is life to us, God. And we come to you right now, God, for refreshing, God, that you would stir up this gift in us. You will use your word, God. And that word that you have placed in us will come alive by your spirit. Now, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to get together again and to encourage each other in the word. So we just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let's pick up with the book of Philippians, the second chapter. And in this book, I'm going to talk a little bit about humility. When we look at this word, that we can think highly of others. If you look at Christ's life, uh, he came to take care of others. Why? Because he thought so much of us. And so here, the first five verses, the lesser wonderful job. So we're basically going to review right there. And then we'll definitely pick up at verse six. So let's look at verse number one. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bow and mercy. So, you know, Paul is opening up this with this chapter very strong. He said, if there be any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort, in Christ and being in Christ. And then he goes on to say if it's any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit. Now, I know uh, last week when we uh, went over this, when past, not last week, a couple of weeks ago when Pastor talked, God really opened my heart to an understanding here when he talked about if any fellowship of the Spirit. You know, if, if we really sit down and we allow ourselves to be one-on-one with the Spirit, see, this is when we begin to be changed in our vows. When it says your vows, it's talking about your innermost part. Basically, the, the, the fabric of who you are. I'm not talking about what you look like. I'm not talking about if you have a southern broad like me. I'm not talking about how you wear your hair, but I'm talking about the fiber of who you are. Are you a loving person? Are you a person that when things go down in your life, whether they be good or bad, do you turn to God? The fiber of who you are on the very inside of you. And is there any mercy in you? You know, we all want to receive mercy from God, but are we willing to also give that mercy that God has given to us. And Paul goes on to say, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love. Paul is saying if we're going to walk and imitate Christ, we've got to have the like-mindedness of Christ. 
we got to think like Christ thinks. We've got to love like Christ loves. We've got to be willing to be given like Christ is. Not that somebody says something ugly to you, so now you got to say something ugly to them. Christ turned the other cheek. Yes, he did. He turned the other cheek. When people felt like they had to have the last word, Christ let them have it. And he went right on about doing his father's business. And I, I do believe that's what we have to do. Paul said, if you're going to fulfill my joy, in other words, you know, a lot of times you got to understand, Paul was these people's teacher for some pastor or, or bishop, and, and they all wanted to please him. And he said, if you're going to do that, if you're going to fulfill my joy, then you got to be like-minded, having the same love that Christ has. Being on one accord of one mind. So, what is he saying? You got to have the same mind that I have? No, you got to have the same mind and be on the same accord as Christ, which is the Word of God. You see, this is what's so important for us as Christians to understand. I'm not trying to get you on my page, and I'm not trying to be on your page. We all need to be on the pages in the book the word of God. We've got to get with what God is saying, not get with us or I get with you. Everybody has to strive to live the word, to be the word, to do the word. We all have to strive for that. Verse 3 says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness, here we go again, talking about uh, that humility of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. So here we see we're not going to do things out of strife, in other words, because we're mad. They made me mad, so now Sunday school come around, I got to get up and say something. I got to get up and tell them about, about themselves, but I want to be slick about it and use the scriptures to try to get my message over. Now this might not even be what the Sunday school is talking about today. Yes, but they didn't give to me when I was in need, so I'm going to let them all know they were wrong. That's not why we uh, go over scriptures. That's not why we want to give and teach. And even tonight, when we have an opportunity to speak and talk about what we learned out of the Word, we're going to give that information, and we're going to we're going to have comments to build up people, not to tell them about themselves and not to tear them down. He said, vain glory, meaning empty glory. He said, but lowliness in mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Isn't that something when we go out and we're looking for a reason or a person to just say something nice to, to make them happy, to make them feel good about themselves. We're not going out strutting around so everybody can tell us how good we look. We want to say something to someone else to inspire them, to let them know that no matter what they're going through, Jesus is Lord and Jesus cares for you. Verse 4 said, look not every man on his 
own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, something I've learned very early in my walk with Christ, and it has never failed me. I remember an evangelist when I first got saved 30 years ago, and she would say, you just take care of God's business and let him take care of yours. She would always say that. And, and it took me a while before I got it. When I began to take care of other people, not because I, you know, when you first start out, it's not that you're just so caring of others. That's not why we're really doing it in the beginning. We're doing it because that is what Jesus did. And that is what Jesus would like for us to do. Jesus, he told us even in his word, he says, when the least you have done unto them, you've done it unto me. You remember that in the word of God? Jesus tells us, you know, to look after our brothers and sisters, to give. Don't worry about yourself. Give. He told us, he said, you know, it's time for us to look out for other people. And when we do that, God will look out for us. You can never outgive God. If you give to God, God will make sure you have everything you need. He really will. I'm a living witness of that. Verse 6. Now, here we're going to begin with our teaching for tonight. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You see, Jesus understood who he was. He knew he was equal with his father. He knew every word that God had said to him and that he was equal with his father. And even though he took on the form of man, because if you read the next verse, it said, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So Jesus knew, even though he was equal with God, he decided and willingly took on the form of man to save man. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. You see, Jesus did what it took to save us. You know why? Because he wasn't looking out for himself. He wasn't saying, I'm equal with God. I don't have to go down there and do that. He put all of that aside, and he looked at us in our frailty, the fact that no matter how much, we would read the scriptures and see that we shouldn't sin. Our flesh was still sinning. <laughs> Jesus knew that we could not save ourselves and that we needed a Savior. Therefore, he took on the form of man that he can go conquer our sin. And I just want to say, Jesus, thank you for it. Thank you for saving us even once again. Thank you, Jesus. But see, look what it says in verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, you must understand, Jesus made the choice that he would die. Oh, yes. And I don't know how many of us would come to that choice. I don't think I would. I, I appreciate him being Jesus and not anyone counting on me to save their soul, but Jesus did it. Thank you, Lord. Because he was able to take on that form of man 
and he humbled himself even when he was on the cross. Even if you back that up, oh God, that night, before the, the night they took him in, and the Bible says how Jesus humbled himself that even when they came to get Jesus, you got to understand in the book of John, they didn't even know who Jesus was. They did not know. Judas had to kiss him for them to recognize who Jesus was. And when he did that and they came upon him, the Bible said the power on Jesus was so strong that they fell back. You see, Jesus was still full of power. We have to understand that Jesus allowed them to capture him so he could go die for us. Look at how he's humbling himself. He had to be feeling inside. Now, this is me stepping out, imagining this. I created all of this. All of this was made by my hands. I'm God's word that when God spoke it, I came out. Jesus is the word of God. Read the book of John, first chapter, verse, uh, 14 verse. He came out, and the, the Bible said in Genesis, and the Spirit moved. So you see God there speaking. The word he spoke was Jesus, and the power that made it happen was the Spirit. And so here, Jesus, knowing that he was a part of creating all of this, now he will subdue himself to the man that he created. Isn't that something? That he will humble himself so low, even unto death, to allow mankind to take his life. I just thank you, God, because I know I couldn't have done that. I know I didn't have the power or the strength. I couldn't even do it for poor little me. Now, let's be for real about it. Sometimes when arguments occur or things happen, we don't even have the strength to shut our mouths. We just keep talking, talking, talking. I don't know about you, but have you ever been pulled over by a police officer and you might have just shut your mouth you never would have gotten a ticket. But you kept talking, kept talking, kept talking. So see, for some of the smallest things, we can't bring ourselves into obedience. But thank you, God, where it counted, you did it for us, Jesus. And we really, really do appreciate it. So let's go on it's, and look at this verse again, verse 8. It says, he became obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross, a humiliating death, a death for thieves, for murderers. And here he is, the only someone who has lived a pure life. And here he is on the cross, dying for us, mankind. Father, I thank you. Verse 9 says, Wherefore God also have highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Let me tell you, nothing's going to get by. 
you can still be living on earth. You're going to buy. You can be up in heaven with God. Get ready to bow. You can be in hell, and you will bow to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is worthy that everyone should bow. If you ever look at the trees when the wind blows, they're trying to bow down to him. You know why? Because he's worthy, and there's none like him that is worthy. Only our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, have earned that. Thank you, Jesus, verse 11. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, hold up. It didn't just say the same, folks. It said every tongue will confess. Not just the people that go to church. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, that's all. Everybody's going to confess. We might as well go ahead and do it willingly. Because see, people going to be made their way to hell, but they're going to be confessing the Lord Jesus Christ. That is so wonderful. I just thank you because he has earned that right. Mm-hmm. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, Paul, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, Pastor Lester says something all the time that is just so true. He said, no one has a heaven or a hell to put us in. Only God. Only God. And this is why Paul is saying, listen, work out your own salvation with fear and and trembling. You know, some people believe once saved, always saved. But in Matthew, it says, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. And we have to endure. We're going to have some hard times on this earth. We're going to have some good times. But we must endure it all. Believing in Christ Jesus, looking to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He is the one at the beginning. He sees our end, Jesus Christ. And knowing that, knowing that he is on our side, the one who knows all things, done all things, been everywhere, know about it, see things we've never thought of, heard of. Our imaginations can't even go there. Jesus has been there. Somebody that needs to go through. 
honey, you can do it. I went through. Jesus was with me. He will not leave you out there. You can make it through this with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. So verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Oh, now look at that. I want you to pay special attention to this. It's that both to will and to do. Now listen, you got to have a will. You got to want to do it. You got to make up your mind you're going to do this. You, you can't just keep saying that, you know, somebody else made me do it. The devil made me do it. I tried to do right, but my flesh. You got to will yourself to do right. You got to will yourself to live the word. And then once you will it in your heart and in your mind, you want to do this. You will yourself. Not only do you have to have the will, but then you got to do it. How do you know what this pledge is? You got to read the word. You have to be familiar with God's word. You have to read his word so much that you might wake up some night quoting scripture. I'm trying to tell you, you have to have the word within you. Verse 14, he goes on to say, do all things without murmuring and disputing that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as light in this world. See, our job here is to shine, is to be that light. So those who don't know which way to go can follow. But if we get caught up in disputing and murmuring, if you're going to do something, do it without complaining. If you complain about what you're doing, oh, I try to live right. But y'all just don't know how hard it is. I went to work and I got home and those children of mine, that husband of mine, that wife of mine, just, just making it seem like it's just so bad. You didn't even want to do it. You might as well not do it. Take control of your mouth. Quiet it down. Shut it up. It doesn't want to to be quiet. We have to learn how to Turn it off. You are in control of you. I don't care what anybody told you while you were being raised. You ought to just sometimes go sit in a chair and just be quiet. Not because that's what you feel like, but because that's what you decided you would do. And you train yourself to close your own mouth. Nobody should have to tell you that all the time. Nobody should have to tell me. And believe me, I went through some training. I had to check myself. But if you're going to do something and you're going to murmur about it, why are you doing it? What good is it? You haven't done anything for God. Not and complained about it like that. We need to be found blameless. 
and harmless. Sometimes all that complaining we do, if a younger brother or sister hear us, they look at you like they thought you was someone following God. Now they see that you're someone full of complaints. And they really wonder, why are they doing this? If they were doing it because of their love for God, they wouldn't be complaining about it. And so we need to watch ourselves, you know. And I say we because I include myself. you got to know your shortfalls. That's the only way you're going to work on them. i got to know my shortfalls. That way I can zoom in on that and work on me. And I think that will help every Christian be a better Christian and be more like Christ. And he tells us all this go on in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And you can look around. I don't need to give you no headlines. You can look at the news. You can be in the grocery store and just look at the magazine aisle and you can see how perverse this nation is. But we are a shining light in this world. And we're going to continue to be. Verse 16 says, holding forth the word of life. See, these words that's in your mouth, they give life. And I'm telling you, God is using his children to bring life to a dying world. So holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Paul said, I want to see you become the child of God that he created you to be. And then I'll know that all the work, all the beatings I've taken, I've been cast down, healed, I've been stoned, I've been thrown in jail. None of that was in vain. None of it. Because look at you. You are allowing God to shine through you. And that's what we all should strive for, to allow God to shine through us. Verse 17 says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. So Paul is saying, listen, if we make it, if what we're living, what we're preaching, what we're saying to others help them, and we can bring them along. A person who didn't know about Jesus, a person who had no hope, but we open up our mouth with the word of life, and we were able to impart hope to them, and now they can live another day, and now they can tell someone about Jesus. He said, then we are full of joy. Then I have my joy, and then we can rejoice in one another, because you see that I'm living for Christ, and I see that you're living for Christ. You see that we're running on. We're still preaching this word, giving life to those who are full of death. And this brings joy to us the same way it brings joy to God. He goes on, and Paul begins to acknowledge those he worked with. And see, this is why, you know, being in church 
having brothers and sisters in Christ, that's not something we should take lightly. Because, see, there might be a time when I'm weak and my brother or my sister can help me stand. There might be a time when my brother or sister is weak. That's not a time to point my fingers and talk about them. It's a time for me to get close to them and try to help hold them up, to try to let them know, you can go another day. Oh, honey, this thing don't have you. You have the greater one on the inside of you. Greater is he that's in you that's in the world. That is the time I need to try to help build my brother up, my sister up. And so Paul goes on, starting in verse 19, he begins to talk about the men that he's working with. You know, it's a shame that sometimes as Christians, we talk more favorably about our co-workers who don't love Jesus, ain't never called his name, they had atheists, some of them, than we do our own brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to know today, I declare that my friends, my brother and sisters, are those of the household of faith. Somebody told Jesus, say, your mother and your brother's at the door waiting for you. He said, who is my mother and my brother? Come on now. In this hardened world, we've got to know who we can count on. You know, I wish all my brothers and sisters were saved. And I thank God that some of them are. And I'm praying for those who are not. But I got to give just due to my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know why? Because we are changing this world, y'all. I'm talking about you all. We're changing this world. And we're doing it with the word of God, in the power of God, and most of all, in the love of God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 19, Paul says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. See, back then they didn't have telephones, you know, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have all these things that we can check on our brothers and sisters. They had to literally go there to speak, to give a word. They could send a letter, but that could take a long time. And then you never knew who would intercept the letter. But what Paul is doing here, he said, I got to send Timothy. I want to know what's going on with you. And I want Timothy to tell you what's going on with me. We are of the same family, the same household of faith, and I want you to know what's going on with me. And it's important to me what's going on with you. Verse 20 says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your sake. In other words, I got to send Timothy. I don't have anybody else. I need someone to come to you that I can trust. That's how important you are to me. Mm, mm, mm. Verse 21. For all seek their own. Not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him. That as a son with the father. He hath served with me in the gospel. He said listen you know Timothy. 
You know how hard Timothy has worked. You know Timothy has given his up. Timothy has been like a son to me. He has served me as though I was his father. He has been like a son to me. And so he began to tell them how Timothy has worked and served with him in the gospel. 23 says, Here, therefore, I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. So Paul is hoping to go see them himself because Paul want the church to stay encouraged. Y'all, we got to keep the church encouraged. We are leaders in the church. You might say, well, Pastor Sharon, I don't hold no position in the church. You hold one with God. You're a child of God. You got to always see yourself how God sees you. And we are up front. We have a word to give. And so we have to keep our hands up. We have to continue to love. I know some of us are going through some things, but let me tell you, whatever you're going through, I want you to put that in the hands of God while you take care of God's people. And when I say take care of them, your duty today might be giving out a positive word when everybody else is saying how bad it is. You ought to open your mouth and say, I bet you if you trust in God, it'll be better. Come on. We must begin to encourage people softly. We don't have to fuss at anybody and say, that's what you get because you didn't trust in God. That's not the way we go. We want to do this with love. We want to make sure we open our mouth and give an encouraging word. And sometimes, you know, even when we listen to a person and what they're going through, and we can tell them, I, I feel you. I feel your hurt. But let me tell you who can feel it better than I can. And not only can he feel it, he can do something about it. Have you ever trusted in Jesus? Have you? Have you ever trusted in Jesus. It's time for us to open our mouths and speak up on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time that we open our mouths and we give hope to a dying world. And let me tell you, are we able to do it? Yes. The things that we have been through in our lives, you know, I might not know your whole story. You might not know my whole story, but I guarantee you, you've heard before and you can imagine that I have too and we made it through we're at a point in our lives that things may come and things may go but we still understand that God is still God he's still on the throne no matter what happens he cannot take him off the throne and so tonight I'm getting ready to close we made it to uh, verse 24 and so when Pastor Lester pick up which I think he will next week he will pick up at verse 25 and so I'm getting ready to close us out now and you all can get ready to take your phone off of mute and for anyone who have any questions we'll be, or comments we'll be ready to receive them okay okay mm-hmm.